Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Curry House, the British bi-weekly podcast, bringing you the very best of creature cinema discussion and B-movie banter. This is tonight's episode of 128, which sounds very good, and we are going to be covering the 2015 film It Follows. Gentlemen, before we get into this movie, Joe, what have Kaiju been up to? I have been up to a lot. Um, for those of you who follow our social media, we have Jeremy Robinson, who is the writer and creator of Project Nemesis coming on next episode. So I've been liaising with him and his uh, assistant. Um, we have some giveaways arranged for that episode, so stay tuned. But in terms of what else I've been doing, um, I watched a film called It Follows recently in order to uh, get ready for this episode. And I have been painting a model of Audrey 2, which I intend to sneak into my office and see how many people notice it is not an actual real plant. So that is what I've been getting up to in terms of things that I should have done or I should have been getting onto at this point. I still have not watched the new Gamera series or the animated series for King Kong on Netflix. And I do have to beat myself up a little bit about that. But to be fair, I've been quite productive. Anywho, Paul, what have Kaiju been up to? Uh, I also have not been watching Gamera or King Kong animated series, but I keep meaning <laughs> Just to. Just that and a thousand on this episode, aren't we? <laughs> Are we kaiju fans? Are we? Why have we? We're part of, we do have jobs and families. We do. Yeah, but they can wait. This is Gamera we're talking about. Yeah, I think we, we do need to watch and uh, discuss that at some point. Uh, but what I have been up to... I was looking. I was looking through like the list of films I've watched recently. I was thinking, have I even mentioned these? I can't remember. So you, if I have, just shoot me right down. Did I say Ghosts? Sorry, not Ghosts. Traitors of Mars, the Starship Troopers animated film. Oh. I think you have mentioned. Have that. I mentioned that one? But we like Starship You're Troopers. Still flogging? Are you still flogging the uh, the Starship Troopers? Like Starship Troopers is amazing. Starship Troopers. Like the first one. It's almost like Graboids in space, to be fair, right, Paul? Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, we had to make the Tremors reference, folks. Sorry, we're getting a bit desperate 120 episodes in. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, so what's going on, Paul? Yeah, well, that's it. I'm, I'm trying to think if I mentioned it, but it basically it's, a, it's an, an enjoyable animated movie that's got Casper Van, Casper Van Dien. Is that his name? Who's that? The lead character from Starship Troopers. It's Casper Van Dien, isn't it? Johnny Rico. Yeah, Rico. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's, he's reprising the role, doing the voiceover. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's good, and it's also got um, Diz, whoever voices Diz from the live action from the first film. She's cool. she's back doing the voice. I mean, she's she's dead, but she's in oh, this film uh, as um, um, Kyle. Not Kyle. Carl, the psychic guy. He like projects an image of her to lead Johnny, and they've got the original voice actress back. So I just thought that's really cool to have the two reunited. Hmm. But, you know, there's lots of bugs. There's lots of firefights. It's just, it's more of the same based on Mars. It's enjoyable. If you like Starship Troopers, check it out. Um, yeah. Um, and I also watched Deep Blue Sea 2. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh, he's right. They went, they went decisively downhill after the first the first one was so good i and then for the second it one to be done paul it needed to be done but now that you've seen it regret has set in yeah i don't know why they bothered because it's so much like because the first money one. paul money is yeah it's worth stuff what can i tell you and i feel like 
Paul, you've kind of opened a wider discussion, which would make for the basis of an amazing episode. <laughs> like what monster movies that started off strong had the worst sequel? I don't mean kind Thank of like- you. What was that? Nothing. <laughs> I haven't seen, have you seen Meg 2? I don't have to see Meg 2. I know that they swapped the main ultimate villain in that series for a giant squid. We've opened the can of worms there. But oh, what, what, no, we've got to watch and discuss Meg 2 because it's going to be amazing. No, we need to. But uh, I was more I thinking, want to. not in terms of like films that have like a bad sequel, many issues down. I mean, just an amazing... Literally a straight up... So we like, talk about Godzilla Raids again? Talk about sequels. So like Godzilla Raids again. Yeah. Right? yeah. Starship Troopers 2. Starship Troopers 2. Awful. Awful yeah. um, and Deep Blue and, Sea. And Deep Blue Sea 2, which is basically the first film again. But there's now lots of baby sharks instead of the Son of Kong shark. was not that great either. Nor was nor was uh, King Kong Lives. To be fair, I think the world just needs to get past making Kong sequels. Yeah. Oh, well, we could. We digress. We digress. Bad sequels. Um, but aside from them, I've been playing a game called oh, Exo Primal, which is uh, it's a Capcom game. Uh, it's Included with Game Pass, which is the reason I'm playing it, because it's, you know, getting in my subscription. And I've been playing with um, Tom Tyler, uh, a listener of the show. We've been mm. teaming up. And That's nice. Yeah, well, effectively, all we do, we, we're a squad of, I think it's four of us. You get, you can choose your character, you're, but you're humans in like a mech suit. So you've got one that's a, a big gunner, one that can like heal, and one that's got a shield. Mm-hmm. Kind of that kind of squad dynamic. And you are destroying waves after waves of dinosaurs and mutated dinosaurs that just, just spawn. And it's so real deep, deep kind of thinking. Content, really, yeah. really deep thinking of you have to pull the trigger and shoot like as many velociraptors or yeah. triceratops or T-Rex or whatever comes at you. Or the, the, then they mutate. They're like, it's like the neo I like dinosaurs. I don't know if I could play this game. Do you, well, if, they, if they're going to kill you... Them or you, Joe? And you have, and there, there are like hundreds, literally. But it's like a, a you know, so you like World War Z. Instead of zombies, it's dinosaurs coming at you. Okay. Okay. Anyway, it's a ton of fun. You just just shoot things. You Sorry. mentioned World War Z. Now that was that was a film that wow, that film did not need to be made because the book is just so great. And then the what film, is it? I, I've never the book was fantastic, and I heard there was a film coming out. I was like, hooray! There's a film. No. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, I've thought of an amazing, uh, amazingly bad sequel. What was that? Monsters Two: Dark Continent. I never even bothered with that, but should should I? That was a different take. So that isn't a bad film. I just feel it probably hits different if you're military affiliated or you have a military background, because that is a lot more apocalypse now. Than the original film was mm. so i think that it was the same universe but wildly different concepts for a film in each one so if you like the first one the second one isn't going for the same demographic i don't okay. think that that's a bad film okay I think, I think it's a decent film but it's for a different group of people yeah. does it have monsters in it because the first one didn't really oh, have monsters. Yeah, but the first one had monsters it was just that it was very much civilian oriented 
and like you know you, you're at ground level the whole time yeah i think like in that sense like it's it's the same director as godzilla isn't it the first one was yeah gareth edwards yeah yeah, I thought it was Gareth Edwards. Yeah, but like you can kind of see where he's going with that because it's very much kind of like about these civilians and kind of like their struggle at the ground level. Yeah, the monsters than... are background noise. Yeah, yeah. they were very much in the background. It's for, a, it's for a commentary on kind of the American border with Mexico. That's what it's about. Um, so yeah, it follows. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, Alex, what have Kaiju been up to? Yeah, Alex. Uh, do, do you know what actually it's been a little while since i've been on air due to the new term start so what i wanted to say is that at the very very back end of the summer holidays i am with family in cornwall joe will know where i'm going with this and we go to see the joe joe's shaking his head and we are doing some wonderful sightseeing at the amazing english heritage site uh, tintagel and the whole time we're going down these steep steps and I'm saying to the kids, careful of your steps, careful of your feet. And who's the one who falls and sprains his ankle? You know, Muggins here. So then it's all right because we're heading back home, except we get in the car and we're driving back from Tintagel in Cornwall to Newcastle. Well, that's all fine and well, but that's 400 miles away. And my other half says to me, are you okay? And I'm like, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'm not good. See, there's a different story that, that, that was told to me. It was more like, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't ask again. I'm fine. I don't, well, think, I don't think that you fessed up to this. There's a well, different story that's being told here for the viewers. At the, um, at the very start, it was, I'm fine, I'm fine. By the time I got into the car and we're along the A30, and we're making kind of good, we're on the M5 by this point, I then kind of go, I'm not okay. And my wonderful other half, Christina, says to me, well, you know how you've got a friend who lives in Devon, which is not that far away? Um, why don't we kind of like pop in? And Joe here, like an absolute champ with how much notice? Um, an hour's notice? Yeah, something like that. Then basically puts up six people um, in his house for the night. Absolutely kind of like rolls out the welcome wagon does you're an awful uh, big head here i mean like what does this have to do with kaiju nothing at all but i need to give it a <laughs> shout out no it's a nice story uh so that was how kind of like i ended the holidays and like it was just a, it was a lovely experience staying with you but what have i been doing that's kaiju related i was trying to be nice joe i was trying to be nice to you shot down i've been getting ready for tonight re-watching this film which i feel like two years ago you said that i whiffed have I used that correct? Yeah, the one where Alex whiffed, that was the yeah. name of the episode. Yeah. What, what number was that? It's like 12 or something. It was a while ago. I'll find out. It's a couple of weeks ago, I think. It's a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks. Couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for context listeners, we were talking a long time ago about various kind of creature features and monster movies, and I waffled together some reason why this film qualifies under the genre. And it doesn't, does it? It, it doesn't. doesn't. Well, hang on, what, what, why are you changing your stance now? Because I just want to own that. <laughs> like, because I, because yeah, I, I brought you under, I brought you here under false pretenses. I feel like two years ago, I might have been able to kind of like fight my cause that it could be a kaiju movie, but like I rewatched it. It's not. Under no it's circumstances, it's a kaiju movie. We've, we, we, we got Matt Frank to weigh in on this when he was on, and it was just like, what? 
no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, <laughs> the, look I, his, the look on his face when we asked. Oh, it was just it was anyway. Just yeah, because when we were speaking to Matt Frank at the time, it was when there was the whole kind of is Clifford the big red dog kaiju <laughs> story. Definitely, I will go with Clifford. <laughs> I believe, yeah, that is more kaiju than this. And I mean, Angus gives the same vibes. He's just uglier. Okay, that's the only difference. And I just remember kind of Matt kind of going, "Well, look, technically, I suppose, but that's a stupid question in the first place." (laughs) He's tired of hearing about it. Yeah, he was so tired of. Make sure to tag him in this, so he's just like, "Why am I?" Oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so tonight we're uh, we're talking about it follows. So. For those of you do not, who do not know, um, this film was released at Cannes in 2014. It got a wider release in 2015. It is a supernatural horror film. We are going over spooky stuff in the lead up to Halloween, these, up, these upcoming episodes. And we figured Alex deserved you know, an episode to defend his stance. So we're talking about It Falls, which is a supernatural horror film with no kaiju in it. Is that right, guys? If I got, if I, if I... No, this, this is a monster movie. Okay, right. You know what? I'm going for this. All right. One of the actors, now he was a monster. That was a tall man. Um, Those of you listening rather than watching, behind Joe, there is a lady. And behind the lady, there is a very tall man. And before we kind of continue, I'd like to give a shout out um, in commemoration of that actor, Mike Lanier, who was the tallest man in Michigan and apparently one of the tallest twins in the world, who stood at seven foot seven inches tall. And sadly, you don't get that tall uh, without some issues. He had a hormonal disorder that led to pancreatic cancer. Uh, in his mid 40s so he died very very young um but like that guy was a tall man like he he was a unit um other than that there are no monsters in the film there aren't are there paul what is the plot of this film just just before we get don't blush paul don't blush first of all alex you whiffed back in episode 24 yeah which was january 2020 104 episodes ago. Quite a while ago. Yeah. January 2020. Man, yeah. that was that, that's pre-COVID. Just pre-COVID. Isn't it? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Cool. It's just it's just slightly pre-COVID, yeah. You've been COVID. wrong for that long. But also, um Screen Rant, mm-hmm. the website, they listed it follows as one of the best monster movies. For the oh. last decade, I do remember that because we had all this to and fro, and I was like, "See, see, it's yes." Yeah. And um, we are our own entity. We can come out with a statement saying it is not a monster film; it is a supernatural thriller. We can, we can. I'm just letting you know that Screen Rant put it in the top ten, and IndieWire put it in the top fifteen best monster movies of the 21st century. So, so just so you know, there are the idea. Like, just, just so you know. So UK kaiju release formal statements. This is a supernatural horror movie, not supernatural a thriller, supernatural horror thriller, whatever you want to call it. I definitely think the thriller element, like the thing that's coming after you, gives the thriller element, and it is certainly supernatural, correct? And is this more yokai, potentially? More yeah. yokai, I could see that argued. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, no, it's 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 sort of like in the spirit of kind of like Japanese spooky things that go bump in the night, isn't it? Okay. No, I, I think we could get away with saying it's a yokai. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, a spirit, supernatural. There we go. Sort of like is it a is it a spirit? Is this is this a something? Is, no, are no, these? No. Well, guns and electricity don't seem to stop it. So you know, I think that you know, for its size, it probably has something supernatural vibing going well, on. It, it bleeds. You know, they shoot it. It bleeds. It follows. It bleeds. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Can we? Can we kind of like just explain what the film's about first of all for those who might not know it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we Shall have... I take this one? Shall I take Please, this? Go on, Joe. You're, you're you're the articulate one. No offense. Yes. No. No. That's. Joe. Wow, we're friends <laughs> here, you know. Anyway, no, I, I tried being friendly. You told me I was derailing talking about my trip over to your house. No, <laughs> very true though you were. So, anyways, um, this film uh, picks up, and we are following a young woman named Jay, and Jay is, shall we say, she is becoming a woman, probably just leaving adolescence, those teenage years, and she decides that she's going to go on a date with you know, the young beau in her life and date goes well. He's acting a little bit weird, but you know, at that age, that's kind of to be expected from everybody. So not that people our age don't get weird dates. Anywho, um, tonight's kind of the night, you know, her um, underwear matches for the, for the men in the audience that don't know what that means. You need to do some research on dating. Anyway, um, they do the deed in a car. Kids, Ask your parents what that means. If they don't answer, you're too young for this episode. Anyway, um, after doing that, you know, she's just kind of talking. It's kind of cute. And um, he decides to uh, drug her inadvertently. Um, and she wakes up in a wheelchair in like this abandoned parking lot complex. And he's talking to her about this thing that he has passed on to her. And this thing is always coming for her but it is only walking it can change its appearance and shape it in the film it only takes the shape of human beings creepy or uncreepy human beings it, it makes uh it doesn't seem to have a preference although we think it's creepy because it's the film um anyways it is always walking towards her and theoretically when she cat when it catches up to her it will kill her quite gruesomely so I have explained how Jay interacts with this. There is a kind of prologue at the beginning of the film where we see a young girl that it is following and it gets that young girl. It kind of sets the stakes, but, when, but Jay is the main character of our film. So we get introduced to her story. It's kind of a slow start to be fair, but like Alien, you might say, it becomes increasingly more thriller more tense as the story moves on so um jay attempts to pass it on how you pass it on is by doing the deed and the first person that she passes along to i don't think entirely believes what is going on although some freaky stuff has happened um and uh it, it catches up to him it doesn't follow him it catches up to him and he 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 departs the film um, after that, Jay, it's kind of ambiguous whether or not she passes it off to other people, but she does end up passing it off to one of her friends who's had a crush on her for a long time. 
Um, and they come up with a plan on how to sort this um, prior to the passing on, I should say, to the friend. But um, it's left ambiguous whether or not they actually do in the entity which has been following um, or, whether, or if it's just catching up to them. Indeed, the end of the film follows the two characters, Jay and uh, her boyfriend, I guess, at this point, and they're walking down a sidewalk and someone is walking behind them, presumably, or the audience is kind of like led to believe more or less that is the thing, the entity walking behind them, once again, changed shape and slowly but surely, you know, making its way towards them. But uh, the film, despite having a budget under $2 million, um, it doesn't need it. I think that the makeup, the special effects, and the soundtrack do an excellent job when they're combined with a simple premise and beautiful acting from the cast. Because all the actors, um, if they weren't young when uh, this film was made, they certainly look it. And they do a fantastic job. But that is the crux of the film. It is kind of a moral, um, what do you want to call it? It, uh, it portrays a horror um, aspect to what could be seen as analogous to STDs, in which case you are passing on something which will eventually ruin someone's life and it can get tracked down the line. So um, it, is, it is a deep film. It's an interesting film about relationships, how friends come together, and it has that wonderful thriller aspect. So it was quite highly rated. Um, it, it made like 23 million in the global box office. So it was definitely, definitely a financial success. Um, maybe not Blair Witch, but then the marketing for this film, um, it was released in February and March, depending upon where like you Valentine's were. Day. Well, it was after Valentine's Day. It wasn't even around for Valentine's Day. Wow. Okay. And the film itself takes place during the summer months. Mm. So if this film had been released during the summer, or my preference would have been Halloween time, I think it would have done much better. Yeah. Anyways, gentlemen, what were your thoughts? Uh, I think that was beautifully put, Joe. Thank you. I think that um, when you watch this film what strikes out is that it is not a gory horror film. And I think that that for me was certainly a strength of it because I'm not a massive fan of gore or kind of torture or anything super grisly. I mean, to be fair, the first death is quite grisly. Yes. Yeah. It oh, you just see the corpse though, don't you? Not you well, just see the corpse, yeah. But it could be like a CSI kind of like yeah. aftermath kind of thing. It's like, oh, yikes. But you're not seeing someone physically torn apart or you're not seeing like, you know, it's, it's not like grotesque, let's say. But I feel like that might not have worked for some people. Like this, this film, as you say, Joe, it's a slow burner. It's a thriller. I think that it came out, um, you know, in the mid 
teens, uh, 2015, when you had a lot of films that kind of went through sort of like an 80s revivalist kind of vibe, Color Out of Space in 2019, The Void in 2016, like Mandy a bit later or earlier maybe, but like lots of films that kind of were very much like, we want to feel and look like an 80s movie. We want to kind of have that uh, that vibe to it. And um on watching the film both times, I've only seen it twice. For all that I go on about it, I've only seen it twice. The thing that really, really kind of makes the movie for me is the soundtrack. I think that uh, the music done by a guy called uh, Richard Vreeland, better known as Disaster Piece, his soundtrack is an absolute knockout. It's very, I think the word you used, Joe, uh, from Dawn was uh, verboding. It's kind of, there's that unsettling feeling. At no point, I would say, I watched it and felt really, really scared. It is not a super scary film, but it's an unsettling film. It's very uneasy. That um, early sequence after kind of um, the birds and the bees happen and, you know, our main protagonist, uh, Jay, wakes up you know, kind of semi-naked in that parking lot. I think that watching it, I felt really uneasy. Like, What's going to happen? Why is she on a chair strapped there? She's half naked. What what awful thing is going to happen? And actually the guy just talks to her. And the whole time you're waiting for something really nasty to happen. But it doesn't quite. She's just always being followed. And like for that the film for me works because the tension building's there, but it might not be for everyone. And I fully accept that. Yeah. What are, sorry, Paul, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm probably on a very similar wavelength for you. So I do, I'm quite happy to watch gory horrors. Um, yeah. I typically watch like slashers, you know, something like Halloween or Scream or that type of thing. Um, but what I really appreciate about this one is that it's a slow burn, is that there's no jump scares. It's just that tension is constantly building and you don't know i would argue that there are some jump scares there are jump yeah. scares but um not. yeah but not i suppose a lot of horrors rely on the jump scare and that's that's it whereas this seems to have such a build-up well, i think what it's not think, cheap it's not, it's not this is not just a cheap someone's gonna jump do, out from behind the, door. the jump scares i mean you know you know it's coming so in this film, the whole premise is you know it's coming, it follows. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. You, you know, you don't know when, you don't know what form. You know it's gonna come through the door, but the fact that it never appears the same way twice, appearance-wise, yeah. Sometimes it's just a student with a backpack. Sometimes it's a really unsettling woman in a kitchen, half naked and constantly peeing. Um and another time, like you said, Alex, it is an incredibly tall man with no eyes. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what form it's going to take. You know it's going to come through the door. But what I think is unsettling to the audience is even though you know it's going to come, what and e even though you know it's there, it's going to come, you don't know what's going to be coming through that door. Even if you know it's coming, you don't know what is coming. And that is part of the mastery of like the mythos that this you know director has created. Because yeah, any other movie you'd have jump scares. Like 
Freddy Krueger's going to like pop out of your dream or, you know, Jason's going to turn around the corner with a machete. You know, it's always going to be Freddy. You know, it's always going to be Jason. But with this, the thing doesn't have personality. It is just after you. It is a shark, but it isn't a supernatural shark that changes its form and appearance. So yeah, even if you know that it's going to be there, the sheer unknowing, the mystery of what it's going, of what's going to be coming for you, it, I think it's a great premise. And so. I think that I think that uh, that's where kind of the whole metaphor around kind of uh, STDs promiscuity metaphor was the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, yeah, it, it works very much with what you said there, Joe, about how that you know whether it's an old woman, a very tall man, or someone in the kitchen, or a student of a backpack. The idea that you know yes you can be intimate with someone but stds are invisible that they kind of they, they strike people that they ruin lives but that kind of they happen without you realizing and that's kind of that that's how i read the metaphor of this because it's it's absolutely kind of about sort of like what goes wrong with a coming of age uh experience isn't it um but when i've kind of done some reading about the film the director clearly made a lot of efforts to kind of pay homage to films like Halloween. Now, um, you saying, Paul, that, you know, you you love a good slasher. Apparently the sequence in the classroom where the main character sat there and there's a boring lesson going on, that is like almost a scene for scene replay yeah, of the Halloween. Halloween movie. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so I think that on the surface the film is kind of, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's a supernatural thriller. There's this thing following, and if it catches you, you die. But there's a lot more going on under the surface, and I think that that's why I'm so fond of, uh, of the film. I think that, you know, it kind of packs a good punch. Well, so as much as you say it, it pays homage to, and there's all the jump scares, I feel like it's so different from all the other films. Mm. I wouldn't class this as a scream or a Halloween. It's no, it's, it, not. it's its own thing. And it's so different that you don't know what's, as you say, you know something's coming. You don't know what form it's taken. And at the start, as you say, when, you know, they've been in the car and then he just drugs her and she's tied up and he's like, it's coming. You know, can you see that? And he's just like, what the hell is going on? This isn't like anything I've seen. No. That's um, and the music, which I think we've already mentioned, is fantastic. Can we oh, give a shout out the lead actress? I might mispronounce her name, but it's um, Maka Monroe. Yeah, Maker, Micah, Micah Monroe, I'm not sure, but yeah. M-A-I-K-I. Yeah, Micah. Micah? Micah. Micah Monroe? I'm not sure, Micah. but like none of these actors I'd heard of, and I don't like, I'm not trying to discredit them, but none of them seem like big name actors. But the ones why it's brilliant. Good. I love it. Yeah. They were so good. It's kind of like, in a way, it gives you Stranger Things vibes because, you know, like, That's... you don't know what's going to be coming through, you know, like whatever dimension or whatnot, but the actors and actresses in the film or series in Stranger Things case, portray it so well, and they're very relatable. I think one of the things that the slow pacing of this film really lends itself to is the character development. And you get the chance to really like become vested in these characters and their friendships and relationships. Yeah. And I mean, like, again, the slow build in Alien does the same thing. Like you become vested in the characters, you understand their roles, their personalities. And in this film, the same thing happens. And you get a very similar, I mean, like it kind of has it vibes, Stranger Things vibes, but they all kind of come together with this ramshackle plan that they think is going to defeat this entity. Again, it's left very ambiguous whether or not they do. But um, 
I think that, again, that that's just another pro for this. It, it is a, again, such a simple concept. And I think it's almost become meme worthy in a sense. It's like the culture got hold of this idea and kind of twisted it into, okay, you get a billion dollars or a billion pounds, but there's a snail always following you. And if it touches you, you die and you cannot kill the snail. I mean, it's kind of like that, you know, like this is the, the thing, like, if you want to use humorous terms like yay i got laid but there's this thing that's always following yeah. you i mean it, it it uh it has touched the cultural zeiss and i think in in like some form or another and i think that there was actually some sort of sequel planned for this it hasn't appeared yet but they were there was some idea for a plot of them tracking it back down the line to see where it came from yeah, I wasn't too keen on that idea of finding out the origin. I... Well, no, that's just what I was about to say. This is a perfectly crafted standalone film, and the mystery of the thing mm -hmm. is part of its appeal for me. Yeah, exactly. To draw parallels of other films, when I watched it, it reminded me of The Ring and the idea of kind of like the narrative plot that, you know, the person, you know, has sex and then they need to basically pass or they inadvertently pass on the threat in the same way with the ring you know you watch the videotape and the way that you get out of kind of uh, dying in seven days is that you play someone else the videotape and it kind of becomes that metaphor for like a virus in the case of the ring and in this case you know it's an std but it's that kind of demonic force that you're passing on to someone else that the way you get out of it is by having to sacrifice another person so that, that that's kind of what it reminded me of and that also with the ring both the american version and the japanese one they're very slow burn films that you know something bad is coming but it's not kind of quick and uh immediate it's that this thing will eventually get you and there's no way out. Is it the ring or the grudge in the Japanese version where the thing, where the girl gets her when she's underneath the covers? Underneath the covers. I, know, I, think, I haven't, I think I haven't seen grudge, the grudge. Isn't it? That, that, that's, is that Juon in Japanese? That yeah, one? I just remember it because, you know, like there's the sacred place for all people. When you're under the covers, <laughs> nothing bad can get you. So yeah. this woman, you know, hides under the covers she lifts up the covers, looks around, and then she looks under the covers, and then that's what the thing is under the covers with her. That was that was that was yeah that that, that was the grudge. Where, no, whereas, like I didn't like that. Not whereas that. in um, the ring, which is very much kind of based on yokai folklore, Sadako comes out of the well, or in the case of the the victim, comes out of the TV, which is meant to kind of be the well itself, um, and kind of gets the person in seven days. Um, and like, you know, no matter what the kind of the protagonists try and do, they, they destroy the TVs, they unplug them, they try destroying the cassette and burning it some way in some form, Sadako kind of stalks them and finds them through the means of the television. But um, yeah, those are kind of the main things that I took from it. Kind of it, it reminded me very much of The Ring and kind of those Japanese horrors. Uh, I, I like your parallel to Alien. I think that that's spot on, that they're being stalked and it builds momentum later with everyone kind of coming together to rally around killing it. 
but they're, they're, they're overpowered, aren't well, they? Well, it's, it's like a roller coaster ride, really. I mean, like you go click, 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 and then there's the anticipation. And then there's like the free for all, like chaos that is yeah. the climax of both, to be fair. And that uh, climax that we're referring to in uh, the case of It Follows is this wonderful sequence, which I think is beautifully shot, where they're at the swimming pool. And I think the lighting, the cinematography, like it, it's just masterfully done, in my opinion. Like I, I can't sing highly enough of it because you've got the main characters with Jay in the water kind of set as bait and they're trying to bring it, this thing, to kill Jay and the kind of the friends plan on protecting her so they can kill it. But what they don't kind of factor in is that actually it can start hurling things that are electric into the water in an attempt to kill her, which just, I feel like it really packs a punch without being overly gratuitous or gory. It works out inventive ways to really kind of build that nervousness. Well, one of the great things is too, I mean, they say early on, like, whatever it is, it's not dumb. It's just slow. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that, that was really good. Like in, in what, for one of the characters, like it, it's trying to get in through the door. The door doesn't work. It picks something up, breaks a window, window and hops in through the window. Yeah. They, it, it will find a way to you. And I think that that's really good portraying it. Not, you know, not as like a stupid mindless thing. That's always coming for you. That can't be stopped. It can be stopped. But it finds things, it finds ways around to you eventually. Yeah. It is not slow it down, but it is always coming. Yeah. Like in the sense of like it moves like a zombie, it's slow, but it does not attack you en masse in a group. It doesn't even move like a zombie. I, I feel like that's a misnomer. It, it, it is a human, it moves like a human being. It is perfectly portraying a human being. It is walking at a regular human being's walking pace. It doesn't have its arms or anything out in front of you. That's part of the creep of it. Because you don't know if yeah. it's if, yeah, if, if it's, it's a person walking towards yeah, you, in the crowd or... or if it's that's if that that's the thing. Now, more often than not, it will go for the creepy vibe. But in Jay's first date um, with the guy that gives it to her, the um, what is it? It's uh, just a naked woman, isn't it? Walking. It, it was it was Hugh, who's Jake Weary in real life. But he gives it to her, and they're they're just in a date in the cinema. And, he, oh, and she's like, the like, they were yeah, trying to figure out, you know, oh, yeah, we're picking things, who you want to be. And um, he says, I, uh, and she's like, oh, you know that. And she's he's trying to guess what, who she picked. And he said, girl in the yellow dress. And she's just like, who? Because you can only see the thing if you have the curse, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So your friends can't help you in a sense. They can't look out for you. So you have to have like your back to a wall, essentially, in order to know that it's not coming for you. But yeah, I mean, like it's, it looked like a normal person. He was fooled and it caught up to him on his date where he was attempting to pass it along. So yeah, I mean, just a brilliant premise and a brilliant ca character entity, really. There are yeah. so few... Um, supernatural characters that are portrayed as well but probably part of what you know like gives this character so much is the fact that it's portrayed by multiple cast members each doing their own take on it so even if you don't like one one of the others will be your favorite favorite iteration of 
Yeah. And um, going with that point about how like it takes different forms, I do think that you're really a point about um, about it. I think there's definitely influences there definitely. in the sense that um, like you know it Pennywise whatever you want to call it, it takes the form of what you're most frightened of, and you know in um, like. In the case of, say, for example, is it Stanley, the one who ends up committing suicide? You know, he's frightened of the woman in the painting. No one else is frightened of the creepy woman in the painting. So therefore, that's what scares him. And that's what ultimately goes for him. Whereas the other characters, one is scared of, you know, vomit and kind of like sickness. So it takes that form. Another one is scared of, uh, you know, fire and burning because of a tragic um, loss in their family. And I, th I think that like, in that sense, um, just as the character, the, the monster in it is frightening because it does take so many different forms. I like that, the way that they do that in It Follows. I think it's great. Yeah, but again, this is, so this is a point that I think that, you know, should be made from this film is that I think we can all agree this is a fairly simple concept. I mean, the lore behind it and the oh. concept, simple. You could come up with this in 10 minutes, right? The budget is 1.3 million, which nobody here on this podcast has just lying around. No. But it shows you, and I think especially with the modern tools that you have at your disposal, let's just say a laptop and a phone camera, you could make a really good film. And it doesn't have to be complex, but what you need is the characters and the pacing. So again, the reason that we like these characters is because the pacing has given us time to be, have a vested interest in their welfare. And the entity itself can just look like anybody. Ingenious, keeps that budget down, doesn't it? So when you look at this film, I think that the most elaborate special effects are in the form of makeup. And then what is this essentially just taking someone in a green screen costume, right? And erasing them from the picture frame, which most Android phones can do that nowadays, can't they? Just no update. You can just, you can erase, magic eraser, I think is what they call it. So what we're looking at here is a great example of what young people or people just getting into cinema could make or attempt to emulate. Obviously don't just make it follows all over again, but what is here is a very creative piece that doesn't lose anything from having a smaller budget. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I, I dare say, you know, like the number of people that were involved in the film, the soundtrack, if you had 10 really willing secondary school students that wanted to make this film, they probably could, couldn't they? Yeah. Oh, uh, definitely. Not to uh, diminish anything that the cast or special no, effects. No, 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 no. I, I mean, but, like, I'm taking what you're saying as a positive rather than as diminishing to the film. I think the you're absolutely right that it's 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 very very simple concept for a film. You know, girl has a one night stand, and then basically a thing follows her, and the only way she can get rid of it is to you know pass it on. And that, there's not much more else to that. She can see it; other people can't. I can't. But it works, and and it you could do the film on a ten for the budget. 
Yeah, this is this is the same paranormal activity. Yeah. I mean, person with a string pulling a door. So many people freaked out. Yeah. But it's the pacing. Mm-hmm. Vested interest in the character's welfare. So yeah, it's great. Um it follows. Not a kaiju film though. So, no, no, so are we calling this we are we calling this a yokai film? Or shall we call it a supernatural thriller? Or what is this? How do we categorize this? I am. I mean, I feel like I kind of need to step forward given my kind of nonsense a couple of years ago. Um, but I would classify it as a supernatural horror kind of, yeah, yokai supernatural horror. Okay. Yeah, I'll buy that. No, nothing for the thriller aspect? Oh, you know, it's... it's... You, could, you could throw loads of genres at it if you want. Yeah, yeah, it's not kaiju. But regardless, I mean, I think, it's not kaiju, but it is a fantastic kaiju. horror film. But I feel you like it's a stretch to call it a monster film. So my my question here is, the Grudge, the Ring, um, it, uh, I mean, like it, it's this thing, mm. whatever it is, I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it a monster. It, it decisively appears. So that's the problem. That if it's like a shape shifting thing, it could become a monster. Yeah, because there's nothing. Good, but it, it, it doesn't. Human. But I mean, it, I mean, in it, Pennywise turns into like a giant spider thing. I was just going to say that. Yeah, because on the, on the Venn diagram of kind of these films, you know, we have films that are quite clearly just classic monster movies, and we have films that you know, like this, they're not really monster movies. It's a supernatural horror thriller. But then if you take it, some elements of it are kind of supernatural horror, but then there are moments where it's... I could, I could even allow it, the book, yeah. to be mentioned on this podcast, because in the book, have either of you read that tome? Yes, yeah, I've okay. read it. So you know that oh. Rodan is in it. Yeah. And the creature from the Black Lagoon is in it both of those monsters appear in it which is fun but um well it's not fun for the people that are for them that are scared of it (laughs) it's it's Um, not fun for those folks but here we have something which only ever takes the form of a human in the entire course of the film and i i mean this it is interesting to ponder the origins of this thing. Yes. It is. And what I could envision it as being is someone who perhaps was killed by a lover or whatever and started hunting down everyone that they ever cared about. Mm-hmm. And that would be just, you know, passing it along through doing the deed in a similar way to, um, haunting at bly manor have either of you watched that yeah no yeah so netflix this will be my recommendation for if nothing else but um in bly manor you have a main antagonist who you come to realize through the course of the series isn't an antagonist it's a lost soul Mm -hmm. and it's just lashing out and this kind of gives me I mean, Bly Manor came out after, but it kind of gives me Bly Manor vibes in the way that whatever this thing is, if it is 
if it's not predatory, if it's lashing out through pain and working through pain, I mean, it, it would have similar parallels, mm -hmm. but yeah, it, it is quite interesting, you know, in that respect. So this, this non really monster film that is not a kaiju, mm. shall we use our rating system that was given to us? I was hoping that you would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, we remember things like that on this podcast. So what, what, are, we what are they again? Can you remind me? K for killer. Yeah. Um, a um, for awesome. Awesome. Was it It's Okay or It's All Right? It's Okay. Uh, just All Right. And then Unwatchable, I think. Okay. But um, I'd say that this was a solid awesome. I think I think you'd have to try very hard to say that this is a universally appealing film. It's not. It's it's not. It's but not. No. It's certainly clever, is what it is. And it's I'm sure it's well very well reviewed as well, isn't it? It is very well reviewed, but you know I watched this with my partner Don, and she's not a horror aficionado, so she was glad for the lack of gore. Although the first death, uh, she did say, "Wow." Her knee's not supposed to be be bending that way, you know, like just things that Dawn spots out. But anyway, um, it won't appeal to everybody. No. But at the same time, this is one of those that, as horror as it is, I could see this as being primary or not not primary, but secondary school aged viewing. You could definitely argue that. Um, I'm not going to lie. We watched it with our 15 year old and she was just fine with it. Nothing was lost. Yeah. I think in, in that sense, the R rating is very ambiguous and America has a lot to answer for for that because an R rating can mean a lot of things. Whereas I think the 15 certificate in the UK is a lot more helpful mm -hmm. because for example, you know, the uh, the Saw movies are rated R. Yeah, but those are those are fun. different, movies. isn't it? So for any parents that are watching this and thinking, oh, this might be a fun one to watch with my teenager on Halloween, um, what you see, not a lot of gore. We've covered that. Um, you see um, elements of nudity, uh, male and female, but mm -hmm. it isn't in the act of coitus. You never see that act. It is very tastefully hidden. And basically all the, all the times that it is portrayed during the film, you would get the same amount of detail and viewership of what you could see in a PG-13 film, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And whilst the film is like serves as a metaphor for promiscuity and, and um, STDs, it, it, it's not about non-consensual sex like it, it's not about rape that, that's not what the film is about nobody gets raped no, no. Well, nope. arguably one person does when they're being killed but you know other than that yes okay but but that that's not what the film is about it's like i think i think it's just interesting that it's a 15 certificate because in that sense it's almost a soft 15 which that that's, might sound a bit silly but i've seen a lot of 15s like that, are, that that are quite grisly. If you take it cabin, is, it is a soft fifteen. Is there much swearing in this? I'm trying to recall. You know, if there's much. I mean, like they say, shit. 
pardon my French. I'm sure they uh, swear several times, but nothing. Yeah, but it's, it's not strong. No. Nothing shocking or particularly vulgar. And, you know, you, you can use the stub your toe metric, but I think when they do swear, it is entirely justified. Oh, so yeah. so it, it's... I've never heard that. I like that. Yeah, but uh, no, yeah, the stub your toe. Anybody can stub their toe and they're completely justified in swearing. I mean, there, there is no person throughout history who's stubbed their toe and gone, gone oh, darn. Yeah. No crikey. But, uh, yes. but yeah, no. so I'm going to rate this a solid A on our scale. Um, yeah. Alex, do you, do you deviate from that? Um, no, I would completely agree. I mean, I thought about it earlier against your rating, hoping it would use it, and I was going to give it a solid A. I think that the strengths of the film would be the fantastic metaphors that kind of run through it. Uh, the soundtrack is an absolute blast. The fact that you've got a relatively unknown cast that just give it a really good go and are objectively good actors, I think, in the film. I think, I think they're really good. And it's such a simple premise that's well executed with good cinematography and it's, it's just a jolly good film i think that the challenges for it if you can call them um, issues or challenges are that it's not very scary which might be an issue for people it was released at a slightly odd time so that, that that's more of an issue in terms of its performance and i think that there's so much focus on the tension building that that that's possibly why it kind of focuses on that rather than on kind of the, like, you know, just the hard fear factor. If you're wanting a scary film, this isn't that for you. Does that sound fair, Paul? I don't know, because I, mean, I found it quite uncomfortable at times. I don't think it's uncomfortable. Which, and the saying the tension is building up to something. So, yeah, maybe not... It's the not something you're not you can turn off the lights and go to bed afterwards, you know, it's not like that right. type yeah. of thing, but there's definitely a sense of, of foreboding, of fear, of, of tension yeah. stuff throughout it. So yeah, maybe it's not I think I think the only reason why it wouldn't be K for Killer, as Joe said, is that it doesn't have the wide kind of appeal for every, it's not a film for everyone. It's not Tremors 2. The second. Right. No, I mean, but I can't think of any films that would be a, like a, a solid K. There's very few that are. Yeah. You know, For me, the was... reason it doesn't get perfect marks is I felt after the pool scene, after, you know, like one of them decides to sleep with the hooker to like, well, and truly get it off their scent. I was expecting one more act, one more appearance. Mm -hmm. I, f I felt like for me, if there had been one more appearance and then they truly done and dusted it, it would have been a really, I mean, that, that would have been a solid, but equally what they did was solid by leaving it ambiguous. But I was expecting something more like, again, I was, I was expecting one more appearance after that. Cause again, I was so used to the tension at that point. And yeah. the fact that it was left ambiguous, the, the audience when you're watching this doesn't get a release. No. So in a way that kind of detracted from my viewing. I, I don't fault the director, the writing, anything there. It's a perfectly reasonable way to take the film. But for myself personally, I wanted more, which I guess is a good thing. But again, doesn't have universal appeal. Paul? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy that we didn't get one more jump scare at the end. You know, I, I think it's, it's better to 
not follow tradition and and do something different which i think what this film does fantastically yeah it's novel i mean i just i wanted more i felt <laughs> could have gone more but yeah um so let's talk uh shop here boys uh we're gonna do a giveaway this episode so for those of you who have listened through um what we're gonna do is we are going to post this on all of our regular platforms but on youtube we are looking for 50 comments. Be nice if people could like it too, but 50 comments. And we want to know what is your favorite, <laughs> what is your favorite scary movie as we go further towards the spooky season this year. And we will select from the 50, the first 50 comments a winner for a Kaiju Curry House Letterman jacket. And we will get that sent to you. So please comment your favorite scary movie and uh, give us a like, you know, because we're cool. We enjoy the attention. Um, so, yeah. And the coats are quite nice. They are very soft and quite lovely. Um, everybody in my home keeps stealing mine, so I keep getting more. But uh, yeah, they will have an embroidered um, patch, I guess, of our logo on the uh, chest. And like I said, they're really cool. They're Letterman's jackets. They come in all sizes. So uh, give it a go. Gentlemen, do you have anything more to add to that other than you can look so cool in our merch? <laughs> I, I mean, just basically join in, have fun and comment. Yeah. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Why do you not want a jacket with our name on it? Crazy, absolutely crazy. And we did actually have a few comments based on the last episode where we where we were talking spooky season mm -hmm. when we uh, when we discussed what did we discuss? What was that werewolf film? Dog Soldiers. That's the one. Dog Soldiers. What a film. Dog, that is. Um, so just to to share what our our listeners have said, um, Brandon Hickley Smith said it was a tough choice but most likely say the thing is his favorite <laughs> horror monster Same movie choice which is a fantastic choice isn't it um mm. unlike any other horror movie i've seen before filled with great practical effects suspense that kept me on edge of my seat clever writing on which character could be the shapeshifter and good music that still gives me the chills no pun intended um and m bryant said um but a beetlejuice doesn't count does it do we want to get in that discussion? I know. We've already done one supernatural <laughs> entity on this podcast today, tonight. We're, we're not, we're not no. going to do another one. So. Well, it. why don't we finish off with our personal recommendations? There we go. I mentioned mine earlier. I recommend The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. It is not a monster series that you will find no monsters in it. However, um, it's a really good yarn. There's a decent amount of suspense. There's a decent amount of chills. And it has a very wholesome ending. It has one of the best endings of any supernatural film or series that I have yet to see. Um, and it was just very clever throughout. It was well acted. So Give that a watch if you have the opportunity this spooky season. It comes highly recommended for myself. Gentlemen, your recommendations. Yep. So back in 2016, 
there was a horror short film challenge called Who's There? And the short uh, film that won was called Lights Out, made by David Sandberg and Lotta Lostin. And going back to Joe's point, Joe's made lots of good points tonight, it does not take a big budget or many people to make a great film. I will not spoil it for you. Lights Out, you can find it on YouTube. It's only four minutes long. I think it's four minutes. It's a couple of minutes. Really, really short. It's a short film. Have you seen it, Paul? Yeah, I have. What do you think? I thought it was brilliant, yeah. And they made a full film out of it, didn't they? And it went on to be made yeah. into a full film. Whether or not they needed to, I don't know, but like, I haven't seen the, the full film. But it just shows you a simple idea can be very well executed. And it's very much kind of in the vein of It Follows. It's just, yeah, you'll see. Yeah. On that, um, if nothing else, you can find some amazing horrors and um, monster movies on YouTube that fans have made, be it part of a uh, competition like that or just, just in general. But there are so many shorts out there, this, ranging from two minutes to 20 minutes, that just show what you can do with a phone. You know, the, as long as you've got creativity, you've got that idea, you can get your idea out there. And, you know, hopefully people see it, like it, and it can become something more of a bigger budget. Um, Non-spooky, I want to say watch Gamera um, because we'll, we will be watching it soon and we will be discussing it. So so just so you can join in, please start watching Gamera and tell us what you think. There we go. Well, don't forget, giveaway, go to our YouTube channel. It, it's with all of our links, so don't worry about finding it. Um, and you just have to comment on this episode, favorite spooky movie for us to discuss this Halloween season. Please try and keep it creature feature related. We don't want to have another supernatural entity on this discussion. Anyways, if we pick you from among the 51st comments, we will send you your size Kaiju Curry House Letterman jacket with our compliments. So thank you very much for listening. And as always, folks, keep it Kaiju unless you're being followed. But you that, that was what, an idea that I had. You know what? This is the thing to put put at the end of this episode. This is your this is your sound bite. You know, you know what it follows reminds me of? It's a oh, scary man. version of Drop Dead Fred. That's a scary what, version. Okay. It's a scary version of Drop Dead Fred. What? Is that it? is, is what it? is it? Yeah. It's a weirdo that only <laughs> she can see that keeps <laughs> following around and ruining her life. Now I'm imagining it, follow, it follows his drop dead Fred. I'm imagining Rick Mail with eyeliner. <laughs> There's your sound oh, by the ball. There's yeah. your sound by Take that. Take that. Okay, oh, I'll take that. God.